Hello and welcome to our service of reflections for Sunday the 26th of June from Black Horse Road Baptist Church with me Naaman. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad. However our week has been and whatever has been going on in our lives, let's know that we can come to God today to praise and to honour him but also to receive from him love and peace and joy. Psalm 19 has a few words. I'm reading from the message translation that says this. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond, better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring, better than red ripe strawberries. Today, let us hear the word of the Lord. And we're going to listen now to a song that um, reflects on the beauty of God's word to us and the gospel truth that we find in there. Christ, the blessed one, gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinnerless, the loving call wonderful words of life all so freely given wooing us to heaven beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life sweetly echo the gospel call wonderful words of life offer pardon peace to all wonderful words of life jesus only Sanctify us forever, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, beautiful words. Wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Let us pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, for the promises of your word, for the truth of your word, and for the trustworthiness of your word. We thank you that through your word you speak to us today and you bring your life to us. We pray that as we are here now, we will hear your word again. 
that we will receive the truth of your word again and be inspired by your word again. We pray that you will help us to trust you and that as we listen to you, we will be renewed and be helped to follow you. We pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to thank you for your presence with us. And we want to pray for those whom we know who are struggling at the moment. We lift to you the people that we can think of for whom today is a difficult day because of illness or worry, because of things that are going on in their lives. The people who we find precious, we lift them to you and pray that they will hear your word and they will hear the words of life and love from you, that they will feel restored and renewed in their hearts and their minds. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Bible reading for today is from Exodus chapter 25, starting at verse 1 up to verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver and bronze. Blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. Goat hair, ram skin dyed red and another type of durable leather. Acacia wood olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. May God bless the reading of his word. Verse 8 is the focus. Let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Have you ever experienced something when you can't express the wonder? Because it is so sublime that it's beyond the power of words to adequately describe it. Have you ever experienced the presence of God in a particularly powerful way? Have you ever been somewhere where you could say that you've really felt close to God? Maybe it was um, a church service or a worship song that moved you. Perhaps it was a, a, a Christian festival. Or maybe it was out in nature and you saw a glorious sunset or an amazing mountain scene. Or perhaps you long for such a place. You'd like to be sure and you long to feel a sense of something more, something spiritual, something of the divine, something beyond what you can see and touch around you. The Celts, who lived in Britain before the Romans and then survived around the edges of the Roman civilization, had places where they felt that the spiritual world and our physical world met they would say that the veil between the two worlds was so thin in these places that a person could sense the spiritual in a really powerful way. When the Celts became Christians, they said that these places and times of the year 
were where heaven and earth seemed to meet, where the distance between them would collapse and God seems to be more accessible. Some people today, in talking about it, use the words thin places. And it seems that generally the Celts felt this way about places that were pretty wild. An example might be the island of Iona off the coast of Scotland. One poet describes these thin places as the door between the world and the next is cracked open for a moment and the light is not all on the other side. God-shaped space, holy. Where can we find such places today? The passage we heard from Exodus helps us out. We have to go back in time, not to pre-Roman Celtic Britain and the windswept island of Iona, but 4,000 years into a harsh desert in the Middle East. Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, where they had been kept in slavery for years. They had miraculously escaped the Egyptian army when God made a way for them to cross the Red Sea. They had arrived at Mount Sinai, where Moses had received the Ten Commandments. And they are on the brink of spending the next 40 years wandering through the desert. God speaks to Moses and gives him very detailed instructions of how to build a big tent. Why? Well, because, he says, I will dwell with them. This tent is to be a thin place. It's to be a place where heaven and earth overlap, where the spiritual and physical worlds come together, where the door between the world and the next is cracked open for a moment. Except it's for more than a moment. God wants to dwell with his people. That means he wants to make his home among them and to have a thin place there all of the time. And then when we carry on reading through Exodus, the next few chapters, we get this really detailed description given by God to Moses of what this tent should be like. And uh, and then the chapters after repeat the description again as Moses gets people to carry out God's instructions. It can seem a bit repetitive to us. But what you get is a tent that has um, an outer wall that is made of fabric. And this outer wall has a gate at its east entrance, which is guarded by cherubim. When you enter through the gate, you're in an outer area where you could offer sacrifices. And as you looked in there, you would see that there was a tent. And that tent was divided into two sections. The first section was called the holy place. And it had a table for bread. It had a golden lampstand and it had an altar for burning incense. And there was a veil into a second room, which was called the Most Holy Place. And this held the Ark of the Covenant, which was a chest that was covered in gold, and it contained the tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them. And after all of this had been completed, as per instructions from God, we read in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34 that the cloud covered the tent, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And wherever the people went, the Lord was with them on all of their travels. Of course, God did not literally live there as people live in their houses. God can't be contained in a building. But the tabernacle signified the presence of God in a very physical way. God said, I am with you. 
sometimes as Christians we get the idea that God is so holy that he can't bear to come near to human beings in all of our sinfulness. But this shows us differently. God loves people. God loves to be close to people. And he comes to us constantly throughout human history. And this tabernacle is echoes of something else. Something that was lost way back in the mists of time. I wonder, can you think what it might be? It's the original thin place, the original place where heaven and earth overlap right at the very beginning. Let me describe to you some of the things that we read about the tabernacle and then see if you can work out what it's looking back to. There's an east facing entrance that's guarded by cherubim or angels. On the curtains, there's images of pomegranates and fruit trees. There's something that symbolises life, the lampstand. There's something that symbolises knowledge, the tablets with the law written on them. And then also with the instructions given for the building of the tabernacle, we have seven times when we hear the words, God said. If you know your Bible, what does that remind you of? The tabernacle, it's a mini portable garden of Eden. The first place where heaven and earth overlap, where God and people meet, where there's no division between the earthly and the spiritual. The garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, the first people, were to take what was in the garden of Eden and expand the borders of this beautiful garden of delight so that it fills the whole earth. And the tabernacle is a symbol that the people of Israel are meant to be like this. For the world, taking God's presence and filling the world. And right in this dry, harsh desert, in the middle of nowhere, God plants a Garden of Eden. Heaven and earth overlap. God's space and our space are unified. And the tabernacle points back to that in the Garden of Eden. But that's not what we have now, is it? We experience a sense of separation from the divine the holy and the sacred and we feel that loss because we don't have access to God's space but this shows us that God comes to us and there is this place in the middle of the desert where God's presence is as well as looking back through the mists of time to that special place of the garden of delights the tabernacle also looks forward after the exodus the people of Israel entered the promised land and for many years they keep the tabernacle but when David becomes king, he's convicted. He's got a great big palace. But God's just got an old tent. So he draws up plans for a permanent place. He follows the same kind of designs as the tabernacle, but makes it even bigger and grander and, and obviously permanent. David's son Solomon is the one who completes the building of the temple. And again, when he completes it, the glory of God fills the building. And now, here is a place of sublime beauty. To gaze upon this is to see something that is surely transcendent. This must be where heaven and earth meet. And this is reflected in the Psalms where they write about and sing about the joy of going to the house of the Lord. But even then, Solomon, in his consecration prayer, recognises that God does not dwell in houses made of human hands. And that the earth is merely his footstool. But still, this temple is a hotspot, a place where God is. But it fails, of course. 
Israel rebels against God and is invaded. The temple is destroyed. They return from exile and rebuild the temple. But these buildings cannot contain God, but they do point to something else. Well, actually, again, they point to someone else, just like the tabernacle does. Think of John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The phrase that we translate, made his dwelling among us, is literally, he tabernacled among us. When he was born, Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, which means, of course, God with us. So God dwells with humans, first in Eden, then in the tabernacle, then in the temple, and finally in the person of Jesus. God comes near to us. We don't need to go to a special place. We don't need to have a mystical experience or a special moment. We just need to come to Jesus and to trust him. And when Jesus comes, what does he do? He spends his time with sinners and tax collectors, further disabusing us of the notion that God's holiness means that he can't bear to be near sinful humanity. And everywhere that Jesus goes is a place where the divine is experienced where the sacred and holy is made known. It's like a, a thin place for thinking back to that beginning idea for Celts. People are amazed by the authority and the beauty and the truth of his teaching. The sick are healed. The blind have their sight restored. The lame walk. The dead are raised. Sinners are forgiven. The shamed are restored. Little pieces of heaven wherever Jesus goes. And when Jesus comes to the temple in Jerusalem, he recognises that it has failed. Under the leaders of Israel, it had become corrupt. Instead of being a place where heaven and earth overlap, Jesus calls it a den of thieves and robbers and claims that he's going to replace it. Jesus is the true tabernacle. Jesus is the real temple. Jesus is the place where heaven and earth overlap and come together in one. So for us, the question is whether we trust Jesus, because that's where we will find the deepest spiritual experience. That's where we will find God is coming to Jesus. But somehow it gets even bigger than that, because Jesus promised that God's presence would come by his spirit to dwell among his followers. So um, think of the day of Pentecost. And if you can picture the scene, Jesus has ascended into heaven and those who were following him are in a room in the city of Jerusalem waiting. They're waiting because Jesus has promised that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And then we read in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit comes and we see tongues of fire appearing on the heads of the these believers. Think back to what happened at the tabernacle and the temple when the glory of God came down. It shone. And at the tabernacle, by night, there was a pillar of fire. The theologian N.T. Wright says, Those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. And, and isn't that the language of the New Testament? Uh, Paul writes in Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 that you are the temple 
in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 that you are living stones built up as a temple for God to dwell by his spirit. And so as more people trust Jesus, as families come to know Jesus, as people turn to trust him and they're filled by his spirit, heaven takes over a little bit more and more of earth. At Black Horse Road Baptist Church, that's what we are, being built together to be the dwelling place of God. And we need each other to function together as a temple, to be a place where God dwells and through whom he is near to the people of Wolfen Forest. And we can be a thin place where the veil between the two worlds is at its clearest and where people can see the presence of God. Not simply uh, in our good times of worship, but as we go out and live lives of love, as we encourage one another, as we serve one another, as we forgive one another, as we share our burdens, as we do good deeds in our community, as we tell people about Jesus, we take God's presence. We know that this isn't total yet. I mean, we see in our own lives, don't we, that it's not what it should be and we see in our world around us that much of it still seems like God is far away but we have a hope the tabernacle also points forward to a deeper greater hope of a new Eden a new heaven and a new earth which join together perfectly so that there are not little hot spots here and there there are not little thin places dotted around where we need to go and find them to be close to the divine but there is one massive hotspot where heaven and earth have come together and been united and joined together. We now, we can do things to make things better. We can reduce poverty. We can help out with crime. Uh, we can uh, help some people in their suffering. We can stop some bad things from happening. But we can't actually totally and completely put things right. We need someone else to make poverty history, to end crime completely, to make it so there is no more tears and sadness and to crush evil totally. And that's the hope that we have in Jesus. That there will come a day when heaven and earth are joined together and all of those old things will have passed away and there will be new life in God. And so we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's finish our time together in prayer. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have that you have come near to us. We thank you you're not far from us. And that everywhere we go, you are there with us. Thank you that we can know you and know your love. We pray that you will help us to live as people who show your presence and your love into our world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let us say the words of the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.